What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kind of Neat. Thank you guys again for tuning in. It's a new year. I've probably said that in three podcasts already, but that's okay. It's a new year. Follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man, Ben Shim, behind the boards, making the shit sound buttery, at I am database, based with two S's. We're the same on Instagram. You should follow us on Instagram. I feel like my Instagram is a little stagnant right now, and I don't post pictures that often. I should do that more. Uh, you can follow us as a unit at That's Kind of Neat on Twitter, youtube.com slash That's Kind of Neat, where you're going to see a performance from uh, our new buddy, Jonas Michael, and you can see everything in a pretty package at kindofneat.net. I want to put myself on blast and tell two of my most embarrassing stories that I've never told from my childhood uh, because, you know, everybody has some embarrassing shit happen to them. You hide it away and it just rots there in your brain. It makes you feel like shit. It's like these old insecurities that you have. And so my first embarrassing story, probably one of my most embarrassing stories is from when I was only a wee lad of probably six years old. I was in first grade first grade and I shit my pants and uh I've always wanted to tell this story but I never have like I don't even know if my brother knows this story because it kind of involves him as well but yeah I was in first grade I was in Mrs. Winter's class and it was my first day in her class because we had some teacher who started the year uh I can't remember her name and after the first week she decided to like move or something her I don't know I was on an air force base so maybe her husband got restationed or something and they moved and so they split up all the kids in her class into like a few of the other classes and I ended up in Miss Winter's class Miss Winter was a sweetheart I think she's still friends with my mom because my mom is at the school uh, she's the counselor at the school where I went to elementary school at for some reason, from a very early age, I had a phobia of shitting in public bathrooms. And I think I can trace it back pretty easily to a weird fucking memory that I have when I was a kid in Texas. When you're on Air Force bases, they have these things that are that are called air shows where like people like, you know, the Blue Angels come out and they do like trick flying and there's all these old planes everywhere and stuff. And, you know, a lot of people out just drinking and having fun, et cetera, et cetera. And so at one of these air shows in on Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, shout out to San Antonio. I remember going with my dad to this air show. And it was this huge event and there was a stage up front, bands playing and planes flying everywhere. And at some point I'm like, hey, dad, I need to take a shit. I didn't say it that way. I probably told him that I had to go potty or something because I was like four. So he takes me to the bathroom and I handle my business. But he had probably been drinking at the time because it was like I said, it was an air show and everybody was drinking and having a good time. And he kind of left me in the stall to do my own thing, probably assuming that I knew how to wipe my own ass at that point. But I wasn't really that confident with it, apparently, because I start going, dad. Dad, I need you to wipe my ass. And at that point, I was like, well, I'm not doing this myself. I need this fool to come help me. So I opened the stall door and there's like all these fucking strange dudes in drag, but they have like mustaches and shit and they all have like these shitty wigs on and horrible dresses and everything. And it was super fucking frightening. And it's because these guys were like probably dudes on the Air Force base and they were going to be on stage as part of the performance, like, you know, laughing and joking, haha, dudes dressed in drag, like, you know, part of this clown and act on stage between bands or whatever. But here I am in the bathroom as like a three or four year old. And I open the door and I see all these fucking dudes with mustaches and shit dressed in drag. And I'm like, oh, my God, where the fuck is my dad? 
And I'm like, dad. And these guys are like, what's your dad's name? I said, it's Barry. And one of them goes, Barry, is there a Barry here? My dad comes rambling in and comes and wipes my ass and handles it. But at the time, you know, I'm like, Jesus, there's all these strangers in dresses. And I think that's where I, I think that I can date that back to my phobia of shitting in public very easily. Flashback to first grade. Here I am in Miss Winter's class. We're walking down the hall. I think maybe we we're just coming back from music class or something. And I feel a fart, you know, <laughs> coming up. And I thought it was a safe fart. And I go to let it go. And, uh, you know, I'll be damned if that fart didn't have some bubbles. And all of a sudden I have like this frightened look of like a deer in headlights in my face because uh, just all of it starts to come out. And it, it was a it wasn't like I had the runs. It was just a big ass solid turd coming out because I'd walked right by that bathroom and I was scared to go sit on that toilet because I had a phobia of public bathrooms. And I think Miss Winter, God bless her soul, she probably recognized that deer in headlights look and said, Lee, are you okay? And I, and I look at her and I go, nope. And she goes, do you have to go to the bathroom? And I'm like, yes. And I run there holding the back of my pants because I have a fucking giant log sitting in there. I, so I get to the bathroom and I'm there for a while, kind of panicking. And, you know, she knocks and says, Lee. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I pooped my pants. And, uh, so, you know, so throughout the underwear walk to the, or actually, I don't know if I did or not. I walked to the office. I think she walked me to the office and they called my mom and my mom, uh, didn't have a, uh, her teaching job at that point. So she drove over to the school and brought me some new underwear and stuff. And I remember just sitting in that office toilet and trying to clean everything up. And it was just a fucking horrible mess. I can't remember if I went back to class that day. I feel like I didn't. I feel like maybe she like let me off the hook and just took me home. But later that day, I remember there was a basketball court outside of our yard. And I remember already feeling like this pride that I was like a big brother. I was like, mom, we can't tell Steven about this. Like he'll be so embarrassed that his big brother did this, you know? And she's like, okay, we won't. And so <laughs> I go out to the basketball court behind the house and I'm like throwing around the basketball with my brother. We're trying to shoot hoops on a 10 foot rim and we're probably doing horrible at it. When the girl who was like my little crush in Miss Winter's class, uh, I think her name was Renee comes up or it might've been Mandy. I can't remember what her name was, but she comes up and she's like, Lee, where'd you go? How come you, uh, where'd you go after class? She goes, is it true that you pooped your pants? And I was like, shh, shut, be quiet. And my brother's like, what? And I'm like, nothing, Steven. She didn't say that. And I'm like trying to tell her like, yo, he doesn't know. Like, be quiet. Don't tell him that I pooped my pants. You know, it was one of those things where by the next day, everybody probably forgot. I don't think that I got teased for it or anything, uh, believe it or not. But um, it was one of those things that just always haunted me. Like, oh, my God, in first grade, I shit my pants. And uh, yeah, so that's my first embarrassing story. I have two of them today that I want to get off my chest. This other one. I was a bit older. I was in seventh grade. I was about 12. You know, I had just started wearing boxer shorts. And um, at the time, I had a bunch of like Looney Tunes boxer shorts because Looney Tunes was the hot shit when I was in seventh grade. Like they would, teachers would wear ties with Looney Tunes on them. And people had t-shirts with Looney Tunes, like wearing like gangster clothing, you know, like they had like a crisscross version where there was like uh, the Tasmanian devil and bugs wearing like backwards baseball jerseys and backwards pants. You know, they would just put Looney Tunes on everything. So I remember I had some like Daffy Duck boxer shorts and I thought I was so cool because I finally moved on from tidy whities into boxer shorts. And, um, 
yeah, these boxer shorts were like built different than the ones that I wear now. Cause like boxer shorts, you know, they have two seams on the butt and one kind of runs over each cheek. But I remember these ones being kind of uncomfortable and giving me wedgies a lot because they had just one seam that went right up the butt crack and realized it's stuck in there. And I'm like, how do people wear fucking boxer shorts? Like they're always in my ass, you know? And it turns out it was just those pairs, uh, because they were built wrong. And so in gym class one day, I was a pretty athletic kid. I could do some things on a basketball court. I was good at baseball. I could, you know, play soccer, whatever, whatever. I was like pretty athletic and I was competitive too. And there was this older kid. We had a mixed gym class with, you know, seventh and eighth graders. And there was this one fucking eighth grader who was the biggest bully asshole. And I can't remember his fucking name. I wish I could because I would totally put him on blast. Um, I'm sure he's like probably a meth head at this point or something. He was just this asshole, always in trouble. And he was a giant compared to the rest of us. I was probably like, you know, 98 pounds at this point. If that, I definitely had not broken a hundred pounds yet in seventh grade. And this dude was probably like damn near six foot and a good, like 170, 180. Like he was big. He was high school size, you know? And, uh, he used to pick on all of us. He was a fucking asshole. And so one day, I can't remember what sport we were playing, maybe kickball or something. Oh no, you know what it was? I think it was, uh, we were playing hockey, like on the gym floor with a ball. We all had hockey sticks and shit. My team definitely whipped his team's ass and there was some shit talking going on in the, in the, uh, in the locker room. And this motherfucker picks me up by the Daffy Duck boxer shorts and gives me the wedgie of a lifetime, like the worst wedgie to where he's got me off the ground and I'm going, I'm screaming bloody murder. Ah, stop. I'm getting rug burned. You're rug burning my ass. And like, by the time he puts me down, I'm like choking back tears, like trying not to cry in front of everybody uh, in like the worst pain. And I go look in a mirror and there's like a stripe up my fucking the top of my ass crack where like it had just been the most horrible rug burn. Like it looked like somebody just credit carded the worst hemp rope right through my ass until a fire started. It was terrible. It was like on the border of bleeding and um, all that ruckus and screaming brings in the gym teacher. I'm not going to say his name, but I want to shout him out, but I'm not going to shout him out. But he comes in and uh, he's like, what's all that? And I'm sitting there <laughs> trying to fall out the tears. <laughs> and he's like, Lee, what happened? And I'm like, nothing. Some other kids had already left and said like, yo, so-and-so's in there giving Lee a wedgie. And so when he comes in, he looks that kid in the face and he goes, what did you do? Did you give Shaner a Ouija? And says Ouija and I start cracking. Everybody starts cracking up and, uh, you know, but I didn't want to be a snitch and he looks over at me and he's like, did he give you a Ouija? And I'm like, trying not to laugh. And I look down and I'm just like, I just look down. I don't, I don't say no. I don't say yes. But he clearly knows that like I'm in fucking pain, you know? And, uh, that kid ended up, I think he might've got suspended for that. I can't remember. He, I know he got detention, but that was another thing where I was like, I couldn't believe what a bitch I was to get a fucking atomic wedgie like that in my Daffy Duck boxer shorts. And it's just a very embarrassing moment in my life. And uh, I think I say that just to say like, you know, hey, we all have our origin stories and some of them are a little geekier than others. And mine happens to be pretty fucking geeky and I'm okay with that. But, you know, also it's to say like, if you're a high schooler listening to this, don't bully people because bullies are dickheads and it really sucks. And, um, also everyone shits their pants at least at some point in their life. Uh, with that being said this week, we have Jonas Michael on the podcast. Jonas used to be a member of you and I with Thurs, Thurs, who I, uh, did a podcast with back in the day on that other show that I used to do both cool guys. And, uh, there was a time, uh, back in 
09-ish, where I was actually playing quite a few shows with you and I, um, because Verbs and I had put out a project in the summer of 09, the Intuition and Verbs Buzz EP, and um, we kind of were in that same little, you know, circle or genre, I guess, like we fit as an opening act for them, and they were super cracking, so we played a lot of shows, a lot of cracking shows with them, and um, it's nice to catch up and see what he's been doing, Um, he's working on some new music, got a new record coming out, The Black Swan Theory coming soon and so yeah you guys can go check them out on our youtube channel and without any further ado here's my conversation with Jonas michael the black swan theory how long have you been working on it um it's about a year and some change. Some change. Yeah. Is this your first solo project? This is the second. Second one? Yeah, second solo album. What was the first one called? First one was Lost in Hollywood. How did that one go? Very well. You happy with the results? I am. Man, I'm happy anytime I just get the chance to present anything. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's like five people show up to a show. Yeah. I'm happy as hell. Like, damn. It's just <laughs> nice to do what you love. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Do you go back and listen to Lost in Hollywood? Are you still happy with it? Or does I, it make you uncomfortable? Nah, I mean, definitely not uncomfortable. It was something that, you know, I I put time in. And then it was like, okay, this is, I'm happy with this song. Yeah. From 1 to 14. And this is what Lost in Hollywood is. Right. I played it almost every day when I dropped it yeah. for like a year straight. Then I was like, all right. Just put it away. Yeah. And just come up with a whole new sound. I kind of do that same thing where like I'll listen to new songs that I make until I'm sick of them. And then when I'm sick of them is when the creativity seems to come back. Like, okay, now I hate this and I'm ready to move on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Where are you from originally? Seattle, man. From Seattle? 206. Nice. What part of Seattle? Uh, Queen Anne? Okay, South Anne. South Anne, yeah. Near Beacon Hill, Rainier Beach. Nice. I was just up there. It's a lovely city. Beautiful. It rains a lot, but it's... It's great. You, so you're born there, elementary school, high school, all that? Went to elementary school. I left um, like sixth grade. Yeah. Where'd That's you when I moved to Inglewood. Oh, okay. What were your folks doing in Seattle? Um, my father has like this nice little corner store mm-hmm. in um, Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. And then the moms was just busting her ass at the post office. What's Capitol Hill about? Is that like a... That's where hipsters, that's what I was gonna grudge. Say. That's the cool place. That's the very, very cool place. Yeah. Strip of Broadway where Nirvana and... I was going to say... Jimi Hendrix would be rocking. They must you know? have like experienced that firsthand. I mean, as a kid, I had no clue what I was in. And then I go back as I'm older, I'm like, oh shit. That's right. why I am the way I am now. Yeah. <laughs> Does your dad have any cool stories of like cool bands coming into the corner store? That's funny. He has a lot of stories, but he don't share them. Really? Yeah, he keeps that all like tucked in for whatever his reason is yeah why is that <laughs> i couldn't tell you that. where's your dad from ethiopia he's from ethiopia yeah. so he's first generation first generation man he was he's singing a lot been through a lot when did he move out here he left um he was 18 yeah and went to uh buffalo state well how does that work he gets like a green card to be a student or sort of student visa um that's it's funny like my father and i we don't really have these conversations or i've never just asked yeah but I would assume so. Yeah, yeah. You guys talk anymore? Or yeah, we talk. Yeah. We talk. But maybe rougher rougher relationship than with the mom? Yeah, I mean, my mom's, that's... That's, that's the, like, the anchor. Know, that's the best friend. That's yeah. the... 
enemy at times coming off because she's mom just looking out for her son. Yeah, just keeping it super yeah, real. It's a whole, it's two different relationships. Man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up most of my life, childhood with my mother. Yeah. Left Seattle, left everything behind, went to Inglewood yeah. in a U-Haul truck with my mom because she got remarried. So it was just one of those like, yeah. Do you know how your folks met? Um, I do not, man. No? Uh, <laughs> so they split up, like, what, when you're, like... Uh, I had to be at least one, two, I don't oh, know. Oh, so you're a baby. Yeah. Okay, so, but your mom stuck up there in Seattle for a little while and met somebody else. Yeah. And was he from Inglewood? Oh, well, he was born in Baltimore, man. Oh, he, no shit. Um, yeah, his, uh, his father was in the, the military, so they moved all around. Yeah, yeah. Where's your mom from originally? Seattle. She's from Seattle originally, too. Yeah. Cool, man. So what was the drive down in the U-Haul truck like? Do you remember it? Man, I was... Just in the back, back yeah. seat, just looking out the window, like, damn, this is it's a big fucking, not knowing what it's a big the country is gonna yeah. hold. But just looking back, like, damn, what peace? What year? What year was that? Probably like ninety, ninety two, something like that. This was uh, like ninety, like ninety seven. No, oh, ninety seven, really? Yeah. Did you have preconceived notions about what LA was gonna be, having seen it in the movies? All and I something knew like that? was to live and die in LA. Yeah, in NWAs. Mm-hmm. I mean, all I knew was. With the TV show. Mm-hmm. Because the TV painted a fucking bleak picture of LA yeah, around so, then. I mean, that's all that was in my head, man. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, then I moved to Inglewood, and that right there changed the whole life. That's when I got into to hip-hop. Yeah, what was it like, like taking a on? stab at it? Like, actually, okay, I think I could write this because of my uncle, A-Dot, who actually showed me how to write uh-huh. the song format, how to count bars, and... And, and the whole nine, you know. Like as soon as you got here or what? Yeah, I mean, the long story short, he moved in with my parents and was staying in my basement, had his whole studio set up, keyboard, and would just come in and out. Yeah. With homies, just rapping, just rapping their ass off. And I'm really? just a kid in the corner. Yeah. Just looking, doing my homework, kind of like <laughs> stay focused on the homework. But the music was like, damn, this is kind of cool. Everybody's just... It was very competitive, but at the end of the day, it was fun. Yeah. What kind everybody of, was just making every, everyone else better. Like, oh, that verse is whack. You could do better. Like, what I'm, kind of music were they making? What kind of rap I was, was it? was just straight, hardcore yeah. hip-hop. Did they ever go anywhere with it? We had a, a little buzz in, in Inglewood, man. It was a four-man group called Rapture Camp. Uh-huh. This was in high school. This is when uh, Thursday night met. He was in a class with this chick named Blaze, and we somehow just all connected the dots and went to my uncle Aida and was like, yo, let's let's be a group. Let's be a posse. But even before that, when you first moved to Inglewood, you're in what, sixth grade, you said? Yeah, yeah. What was the adjustment like? Was it, uh, what preconceived notions that you had came true and what was different than you um, thought? Well, I went to a <laughs> Catholic school. No shit. Um, St. John's, that's right next to St. Mary's okay. off of uh, Florence. Okay. And <laughs> wearing a blue uniform in Inglewood. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, you know, what gave me the heads up, you know, and I had to just learn on my own going to the Inglewood market in a Catholic uniform just to go get some white tees. Uh huh. You know, an OG come up to me looking at me like, yo, what are you, (laughs) are you nuts? Yeah. Where, why? And and just pressing the hell out of me like, oh, dark, blood, blood, blood. It's like, gee, this is a uniform, man. Yeah. Like, why are you sweating me? That's so funny. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. How'd you manage to avoid that stuff in the neighborhood? Nah, I'll just fucking change outfits like Batman or yeah. Superman when I walk it walking in shops yeah. in Inglewood, man. I mean, you can't, was you, you can't wait, do that. Was your block bad with with gang activity stuff? Not or? my block. I mean, um, where I stayed, there was a park and that was 
there was a lot of Crips there. Mm -hmm. And me being, you know, I had skills on the court, so they would just give me the gate mm -hmm. and just welcome me into the party because, oh, that's the dude with the game. Yeah, he could rock with us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you play basketball in high school and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I played at, um, I mean, even in Seattle, I, a friend of mine, Nate Robinson, we used to hoop together. Uh -huh. uh, Aaron Brooks, we was all hooping. And then uh, Inglewood, I went to St. Bernard's for three years. Freshman through my junior year, I was all hooping on varsity. And then my last year, I was just like, I'm going to go to Inglewood. Yeah. Just because. I just kind of like move off impulse and just do it. And you kept playing there or yeah, you made yeah. the team? Yeah, no, I made the team. Uh, I was starting wow. varsity. It was, it, was, it was fun, man. Yeah, what did you used to play? Uh, just a guard, man. Yeah, just shooting guard? Shooting guard, point guard. Nice. It was back in the day, you know, those times I was like watching Ray for Austin on the Volume 1 mixtape. Yeah. Watch that shit for hours. Go to the park and just... So you had handles or what? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah? Of you course. Get, did you get uh, scouted at all? I did. Um, Just like small D2. Yeah. Junior colleges. But that, that wasn't the route or what? Did you go to college? Um, I did for a second, dude, in, in a little valley in Palmdale. I was living out there. I was oh, in like, Palmdale. Let me give it a shot. Yeah, the out in the desert. loving me. Yeah, he loved the highlight tape. But I don't know, man. I just kind of like lost the love of it one day. Really? You know, I think it's because I had a plan B in my head, and I felt, and that was the music. Right. Having the plan B was like, okay, you know, if, if this doesn't work, it, I was always giving myself, you know, something else to lean on. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably why, you know. Your Uncle Adap moves in, and he's got his equipment, and you're hearing people rap and stuff like that. Do you remember writing your first raps or anything like that? Oh, uh, yeah, shit was whack. Yeah, of course. it was. <laughs> but what age was it at? Um, what do you think? Oh, man. Like 12. So you were on it. 11, 12, something like that. Yeah, what records were influencing you at the time? Um, Muddy Waters by Red, Red Man. Man, yeah. There was uh, the Cannabis album, because Ada used to bump that, and I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I know a lot Second of L.A. rap dudes knockout. that loved Cannabis. It's so funny, because I feel like he never really caught on huge on a national level like he was supposed yeah. to, but I, there was a lot of like the hardcore L.A. rap yeah, dudes who were like, dude, yo, I fuck with Cannabis. Yeah. Fucked with Cannabis, um... Love the West Side Connection album. That was a great record. Oh, man. Love the Chronic, of course. Yeah. Used to always bump Michael Jackson. That was just a given. Yeah, absolutely. As a kid, I was like, oh, I want that. I feel really jacket. I want to learn how to moonwalk. Did, all you, of did that. you guys used to play some Michael Jackson during your yeah, U and I sets? Would, I feel like I remember I that. I would do the moonwalk in the, I, in the I, middle of our sets. I remember that. <laughs> that sticks out now that you mentioned it. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Dog, just love music, man. It's from hardcore hip-hop to just some soulful Marvin Gaye or, you know. Yeah. What were you like in, uh, like, high school and shit? Like, uh, what what category would people put you in? Jock, ladies' man, fucking class clown, what kind of shit? Um, yeah, man, it was it was the, you know, sports. Being a young kid playing varsity, you you get a lot of attention from women. I believe Especially it. if you're just hanging out on the, on the high school wall in a campus, chicks just lurk. Yeah. That's just the lifestyle. Like, when you're... I think that comes with anything. Like when you're dope at something, because you're dope and you're not doing it for X and Y Z. You're doing it because you love it. That shit just feeds off. Yeah, absolutely. People get that vibration. They just gravitate towards it. Yeah, you're showing like a defined value. You know what I mean? Right. Which is a strong aphrodisiac. <laughs> what age were women starting to become a distraction? Um, 
what age were women becoming a distraction? I know I was early to start trying like, to mag on these girls. You know what I said? Kindergarten. Yeah. Oh yes, dude. Same. I had a fun, I, I still have pictures of me and my first girlfriend when I was four years old wow. in preschool. Her name was Courtney, a little redhead. Damn. Early adopter under. The, I never my thought first girls had cool names. Was, you know? was Courtney? No Duh, shit. That's may, crazy. Might have been the same girl. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> that was in Seattle. I remember. Recess, you know, in kindergarten, we had these huge tires that were like, oh, yeah, propped up in a bunch of bark. Mm-hmm. And we'd go hide in the tires, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Play doctor or what have play you, play husband or wife. But the whole point in the game was to fucking get a girl and make out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, that was kindergarten for me. That's right. That's so real. So, yeah, that started at an early age. Yeah. Then, Has it continued on? Have yeah, man. It. it Shit, Twitter, Instagram, it's like, God, you can't, you can't stay away from it. Man. I know, I know. Do you, I, it's such a distraction for me. Uh, if I, I always say if I spent as much money, or as much time chasing money as I did chasing tail, I'd be a very rich man. You know? Yeah, you got to, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you meet Thurs in high school. Yeah. What grade? 10th? 9th? Um, 9th grade. Ninth grade, my freshman year. It was his sophomore year. What, you guys had a class together? Nah, we, we played ball together. That's what connected yeah, the chemistry. Did he have skills too? Yeah, he could hoop. Yeah, yeah, he could hoop. Yeah, and so how did you guys find out that you both had a passion for music? Um, just lunchtime freestyle ciphers. Yeah, just recognizing who's who in the, in that circle, mm-hmm. and then you kind of, you know, it really can't call how it happened. It was just. I can't even call it. It just happened. Was there a lot of talent at the school? Like, were the freestyle ciphers during? It was. They were all right. Yeah, yeah. Inglewood, it was a lot more competitive and fun. Yeah. I remember those vividly, like, damn, okay. Some days you lose, some days you win. And when you lose, you go back home, like, I'm about to eat his ass up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So was it a lot of freestyling, or where did you go home and kind of, like, have some bars nah, ready for the next I person? mean, it was freestyling, but I made sure I had bars. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep those tucked. Yeah, so were your <laughs> initial experiences of rap kind of more uh, competitive and, and aggressive, I guess? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was, you know, you wake up, Six o'clock in the morning, you go in the gym. Yeah. Because you want to be the top dog on the floor. Mm-hmm. Then outside of the gym, you want to be the top dog in that cypher battle. So it was very, very competitive. Mm-hmm. All day, 24-7, you just... I mean, that was just my mentality. I just wanted to be the best yeah. in anything I did. I got to stand out and just demolish whoever it is in front of me yeah. going against me. Like, that was a threat. Right. You find yourself competitive in everyday activities? Yeah, very much. Are you somebody that picks up on, like, kind of everything kind of quick and you're kind of just good at shit? You know, there's some people that are like that. Like, um, it's like, oh, he'll beat you at ping pong, pool, basketball, <laughs> rapping, and everything. You feel me? That's what he said, ping pong. We were playing ping pong. <laughs> yeah, hey, see, his manager's back here. He's like, oh, you're comp- you get competitive at ping pong, I bet. I think I whipped everybody's ass that day, huh? Hey, don't, I'll tell you, one thing I've learned about ping pong is don't fuck with Korean people Uh-oh. at ping pong, yeah, dude. No. They, are, they are mean Respect with it. it. They yeah. are mean with it. Ben will give you a run for his money. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're just competitive with everything. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, it's became a lot more nonchalant now. Yeah. Because they used to rub off in the wrong way to a lot of people, you know? And it's just How like, so, like, uh, temper? Um, yeah, temper, or it just became, like, one of those things where you actually win, but then instead of, like, shaking a hand, that was a good game or good whatever. People get sour about it. They just walk. I'm like, damn, dog, it was just a yeah. moment where we were <laughs> competing. Yeah, but- I mean, some people are, are um, gracious winners and some people are gracious losers, but it's hard to ever find... Um, 
two of those people to compete <laughs> together. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Somebody, hard. somebody's <laughs> going to be the asshole. Were you in Thirst competitive from the jump? Yeah, always. I mean, that was just to make sure we had the hottest verses. Yeah, yeah. And make the hottest song. Did it click pretty quickly? Did you guys like kind of see something in each other immediately? Like we should fuck with each, we should fuck with this. Um, well, he brought it to my attention, man. When it was in the the four man group Rapture Camp. Yeah. And when we made uh, fried chicken and watermelon, I was like, damn, this is this is actually dope. Mm-hmm. We have something dope here. What year was that in? Um, 2008, I believe. Mm. Wait, what year did you graduate? Um, 03. In 03? Yeah. And so were you guys were already working on the four-man group together yeah. in 03 by that time? Yeah. Go to college to Palmdale for a year, doesn't work. Were you living on campus? I was not, no. Where were you staying at? Mom's crib. Oh, so you were commuting to Palmdale. Yeah, I mean, that was the That's life, a good... even in high school, it was commuting back and forth. Why? From How Palmdale far? To, to L.A. Why? The high school was out in Palmdale? High school, Inglewood. Oh, high in, school was Inglewood. Yeah. yeah. Living in Palmdale. Oh, you were living in Palmdale. Yeah. Get out. When did you guys move to Palmdale? Ooh, man, that was, that was like 2002. Yeah, what took you guys out there? Um, Just a change of pace, I guess. I mean, I really can't call it. Yeah, I yeah. just wanted to move, and you know, you don't really... Yeah, you don't have that choice. Or your right. parents are like, okay. <laughs> How'd you like Palmdale? That's a pretty slow-moving area. Very slow. It's funny, man. Um... I'm, that's where I met uh, Pac Div. Really? They were living out there. And we we met. I forgot how we met, but we found out we lived out in the same city. And, mm. and um, the producer um, Swift D mm-hmm. just through playing ball and music, man. Mm. That's how most you know cats meet in my world. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is, predates MySpace and all that shit. Yeah, my. I mean, yeah, it was the MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> What's the commute like in high school from fucking Palmdale to Inglewood? Are you taking a bus or a car? Nah, man. Well, mom, my mother was working in, in, in L.A. Yeah. And we would get up like the crack of dawn. Man. Like five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. What would you do in the car rides? Zone out or, or work on stuff? I would be sleeping. Yeah. Because I have practice maybe what, six, seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then it's class. What'd you? How were you in school? Did you take to school? Did you like it? I did, man. You know, I look back now, it just, it seemed boring at first, man. It's, I like to be creative using my brain on something Yeah. that no one has ever done or stuff, you know, history class and science. I was very into yeah. math, I love numbers, but for the most part, I mean, it was fun. It was just another day to me. I mean, not to go against education, but when you're like, a part of something, but you know you really want to do something else, you can't really put your heart in it. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like you're kind of waiting for the moment to just be able to educate <laughs> yeah, yourself. I, mean, you know I had I mean? a lot of fun at school. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. So you meet the Pac Div guys. Is this before either of you guys' groups were getting any shine? Um, No, we had shine. Already? We, yeah, there was shine. Yeah. We just found out. We just lived in the same hood in, in Palmdale. It was like, wow, that's funny. Wasn't it? Was there some kind of beef between you guys as two groups? I guess, man. I really, there was, but it was with the people on the outside was making it. It was getting hyped up more than yeah. that, than it really existed. It, was, it really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the root of that? I only remember hearing on it on the outskirts, you know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, dog, I do not remember. Yeah. What I just a- don't pay attention to that sort of shit. I mean, I see it. I have to pay attention. I just really, it doesn't really move me. Yeah, I feel you. Um, so you and Thurs start working together in high school and like, uh, when does it break off from the four man group into you and I? Um, this was 
uh, like 2008, I believe. Oh, really? Late 2007. So you guys started getting some shine like almost immediately after deciding to just form a two-man group. Yeah. So you record... uh, Fried chicken and watermelon. Yeah. That was an EP or an LP? That was an LP. It was an LP full length. Who did the production on that stuff? Um, You guys did a track with... My friend Foz has some production on there. Yeah. Uh, Swift D is on there. DiBiase? DiBiase made the banger Beautiful Day, which did a lot of success for us. Great video for that song, too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, most definitely. Shout-outs to uh, Tomas Whitmore who did that. Nice. Really good visuals. Uh, what was the recording process like? Where were you guys doing it at? Um, his brother had this studio. I think this was in the Valley. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would sometimes write the verses before we get there. Mm-hmm at work or whatever we're doing in the car to the studio and just record it. Is it one of those things where like, well, I know when I've recorded group projects, there's like with certain beats, some people spearhead the hook or, yeah. or there's just like one idea that sparks the verses and you come up to it with a hook together. Like what was you guys process like? Back then it was, it just, whatever happened, happened. It wasn't like do this, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. It was more of like, yo, I got this. Let me just lay this and whoever was like okay Mm -hmm. were you guys always in the same room recording together um most of the time yeah yeah what was the vibe like you guys got along good yeah 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 it was all it was just young kids having fun making music not knowing what is really going to happen next but right let's give it a shot you guys were getting a lot of press at the time like what was uh who were the first people to pick up on you first people to pick up on us or like maybe i don't know like you know when you started going like oh shit like this is this kind of starting to crack a little bit I think the beautiful day helped a lot. Yeah. That video, the whole concept, just being a one-shot video and then MTV showing love. Oh, yeah. That's right. A lot of just publications. Yeah. Herb was was still cracking back then. Billboard and LA Times. I mean, Slam Magazine put us in their magazine for our... Uh, cream song kicks rule everything around me right right i remember that video too yeah so those two records was kind of like the stamping point for us yeah yeah they were moving um did you guys have management and stuff yeah we did how'd you guys find management what was that like uh, i think thurs found um through some podcast he used to do like on youtube and told me about him i was like okay we went out to meet him and it was yeah, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you guys get booking agents and all that, tour together? Yeah, that that came later. We signed to ICM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went on tour, opened up for Warren G. One tour we did, uh, we opened up for Talib Kweli. Dope. Yeah, it was booming, man. It was, yeah. I mean, it was all a learning experience, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And like, as far as the learning experience goes, did you guys um, start playing shows together pretty immediately, or were you doing like open mic events? Like, how did you guys get your stage chemistry? Because that's what I something I remember about you guys. You guys had a really good stage show together. Well, that all stemmed from Rapture Camp, man. Uh-huh. Just knowing how to rock a stage and where would you guys rock as Rapture Camp? We, I think, our biggest show was at the Key Club, and we opened up for Lupe Fiasco. Oh, dope. Nice. Yeah, and that was a... It was like a pay-to-play type of situation or something? So get, yeah, nah, give you 60 it was, tickets and Yeah, fucking, exactly. It was one of those scams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sell 100 tickets and you don't get nothing. Right. <laughs> Did you guys ever play like smaller venues to get oh, like yeah, your chops up or what? Of course. I can't remember the... Um, the Good Hurt. Oh, yeah, The Good yeah, Hurt. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. That's what, right over... us and El Prez. Mar Vista. Yeah. Yeah, we had Prez on the show. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he's a good dude. Did you guys used to play the spliff? Remember Verbs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. 
I can't remember. Dude, it's been so much. Yeah. You know, it's shows after shows become Years, like, man. damn. Yeah, yeah. What do we do again? Like, the, the big ones really stand out or if something happened crazy that night, you know. Yeah. What's one of the big ones that sticks out to you as maybe your favorite? From the four-man group? Yeah, sure. How about from the four-man group, from you and I, and now now that you're on your the own? The Rapture Camp Key Club was... The Lupe That show. was my favorite. Just opening up for Lupe. Yeah. Before, you know, he was who he is now. And the crowd was receptive. Fan, I was like, damn, we get to open up for Lupe. This is crazy. Right. How how was the crowd that night? Oh, they were live. That's dope. Because Key it Club can packed. be rough. Yeah, it can be. I've seen some people <laughs> bomb there, dude. Fuck. It can be. Yeah. The more people, the easier to be. Yeah. What was the craziest you and I show? Craziest you and I show would have to be in Norway uh, at the Hovai Festival. And it was weird, and I kind of forgot my lyrics because I was so engaged with the crowd reciting our lyrics having like a conversation with them before they don't speak English uh-huh. very well but to see you rapping the lyrics fluently I was just whoa this yeah a surreal moment that's very different yeah right. I, I mean I lost I kind of like stumbled over words and I just had to get back into it yeah just fucking sea of a sea of white people that don't speak English <laughs> fucking going ham yeah that's dope that's dope that was, have you been playing yeah. show solo yeah I yeah. did um I've done the the Sayers in Hollywood, that was my release party for Lost in Hollywood uh-huh. on Halloween night, which was nuts. It was just by the word of mouth nice. back then. I mean, it was just me, like, yeah, I'm gonna just do this by myself, tripping, like, with no team. You know, that's it's very impossible. Right, right. <laughs> now, with your new music that you're working on, what do you see as like your final stage show? If if you had, if it was up to you, what would your stage show look like? Would it be full band type thing? Nah, right now, man, I just like the drum and, and DJ. Yeah. That's is that how that's you're, fun. Is right that now. how you're outperforming right now with a drum, yeah. drummer and a DJ? Yeah, eventually I may add like it. It can get crazy. Yeah, because I know a lot of talented musicians. Yeah, from the trumpets to Congo drums and guitars, you know. But Just have right a whole now, fucking salsa band out there. Yeah, <laughs> it could happen. Man. Yeah, for sure. When do things start winding down for you and I? Like, what happened? It was a loss of chemistry, man. Yeah. And the brotherhood, it was, it was more of like a friendship. It was, had nothing to do with music. It was The friendship was kind of sour. Mm, yeah, yeah. want to make music, so it just played itself out. So when was that, like 11? Is that when you, or 10 when you guys decided yeah, to go solo? Yeah, it was about 11. Did you guys put out a second project? We did not. Yeah, so were you in the midst of working on it and just couldn't kind of sync up that chemistry anymore? Yeah. Like tempers clashing or or just fucking just lives heading in different directions i think that's all it was man. yeah were there any like loud shouting matches shit like that <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah it was cool nah, kept it, was, it cool it was all cool yeah so then one day you guys just decide like hey we're gonna fucking go our own yeah, way i mean i i i spoke up and was like i can't i can't rock anymore right right i mean how did you feel at that point uh, it was very bad in the state of mind like it wasn't was it a dark fun. time is a dark time and not so dark it was just very it's hard to just say goodbye to to any relationship even if you're in love with the chick and you're like yo she's not the one mm-hmm. it's hard yeah absolutely <laughs> you feel you get that feeling of like fuck and now i gotta start over like what do i gotta what do i, I do mean, now it was, yeah, i was excited yeah to see what i could come up with mm-hmm. you know on my own yeah. But then again, it's like, you know, it was hard, but then again, exciting. Yeah. Because I 
we had different visions, man. That's all it came down to. What I remember when I used to see you guys on stage together is like you were kind of the more like flashy, flamboyant one. You had on crazy outfits. You had yeah. the mohawk going at the yeah. time, and Thurs was kind of like the working man's MC. He kept yeah. it. He had the. He was kind of like streetwear. You know, straightforward. Had bars and like. To be honest, I always kind of thought, I was like, man, these fools are going to end up going solo one day. Oh, wow. Like, you, I, I, well, you know, I'm a fucking, I'm a old rap fan. You know what I mean? Right, right. I've been listening to it a long time and I just, and I just always, group dynamics are fucking hard, man. It's like, hard. you know what I mean? It's hard. It You're starting a business with somebody, but that business has to be art and you also have to keep a friendship. And there are very fucking few people that have managed yeah. to do it throughout um, hip hop's history. Like De La Soul being one of the few shining examples of people mm -hmm. who have really been able to stick with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. shit, look at Mob Deep. Like, they're on Twitter fucking really hating on each other a couple months ago. Shit. Oh, dude, those guys go at it sometimes. It's crazy. But, you know, I guess the whole point of that rant was to go, like, where did that kind of like flamboyant, flashy style come from? Was that, were you always a crazy uh, dresser as a kid? I think so, man. Yeah. I mean, I look back at a picture I had on a turtleneck and fucking suspenders, man. <laughs> a turtleneck and suspenders? Yeah, I'm like, about like five, six years old. Yeah. Rocking. I mean, I always had the kicks, dog. Kicks has just always been a part of me since a kid. What was the first kicks that you were like, oh, shit, I got to have those? First kicks were, they were definitely Jordans, nines or the twelves. Yeah. And I was like, Mom, please let me get these Jordans. Yeah. Mom would never buy me shoes, dog. Never. So I'd just go run to one of my uncles or my father. Yeah. They'll hook it up. Yeah. <laughs> and was it like a prized possession, scrubbing with a toothbrush obsession type thing? Yeah, of course. Windex and a toothbrush. Are you like a sneakerhead to this day? Do you I have, am, Is man. it like crazy boxes everywhere? Yeah, I gotta hide them. Really? <laughs> I'll tell you, I've honestly never understood that that obsession because I'm I'm a very practical, pragmatic shoe wearer. I'm like, I just want something that's not gonna make my feet hurt and that I can yeah, like right. wear for a long time. And maybe sometimes if they get dirty, that they look cooler almost. You know what I'm saying? I went through that phase where I just really didn't care. Yeah. About sneakers. Yeah. Um, but then you know that it creeps back up on you. Like, damn. Yeah. Look at those. Look at those. Oh, I gotta get those. What are you fucking with these days? Jordans, man. Jordan, Nikes and Jordans. All Jordan. They're just great shoes, man. Yeah, they look, yeah. I mean, they look good on me. I like it <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> I since, feel good with them. Since the last time I've seen you, your style has changed a little bit. Here you are. You're looking like a real Seattle gentleman. You got the holy <laughs> jeans. You got the the flannel on. Yeah, the, the scruffy facial hair. I barely recognized you when you walked up. <laughs> Tell me what's been going on. To just work. Yeah? Work, work. Locking in the studio so not worrying about, like, uh, keeping the facial hair kempt or anything like that? Nah, I mean, I care. I mean, I just keep it comfortable, man. Yeah. I keep it comfortable. Styles evolve over time. Yeah, it's, I don't really put too much thought in it. It's like, yeah, I want to wear some ripped up jeans. I just throw them on, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just more of a mood I'm in, and then I right. can't really explain it. It's one of those things where it's like, the style changes slowly over time, and so me having not seen you in a couple of years, yeah, it's like, oh. You're not the only one, man. Yeah, it's like when you look in a mirror every day, and you don't realize, like, oh shit, I got fat in the last 10 years, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it goes slow, you know what I mean? It goes slow. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, you you and Thurs decide to part ways, and like, did you know that instantly that you were kind of going to go in a different direction ah uh, yeah absolutely yeah was that part of the the process of like realizing the chemistry wasn't there was you were like oh i, I want to do this and he wants yeah, to do that the, was some of it yeah what were you listening to at the time that was making you feel like oh man i want to like i want to get a little more funky maybe um shit 
Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. That's a good record. Yeah, their first record's really good. That was one album I was listening to. Yeah. And I was like, damn, this is... Whatever it is, I just... I like it. I love it. Right. It should be more than just rapping my ass off 24-7. Right. Which is cool. I don't... I mean, my favorite rappers do that. But for me, I gotta... I'll get bored. I want to do something else. Rapping is so much words, too. <laughs> yeah, it it's is. It's like dog. really hard to write rap verses. They're so long. Like writing songs where you're singing, it's like you can get a lot done. You can get a lot <laughs> said in a few sentences, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. What was it like when you started this new writing process? Like, was it a, a new learning process? Was it uncomfortable? Was it jarring? Very. Um, it was uncomfortable at first because it was new. Mm-hmm. And the more and more I did it, you get more confidence and you get comfortable with it and then you start to realize I can I can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. It was kind of scary because it's ballsy to just, I'm going to stop doing this and do this and here it is. I hope you like it. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Absolutely. <laughs> and I would sit back and look at people's reaction. It was a bit confused. Some got it, some didn't. Mm-hmm. Some fans are not my fans anymore and I have new fans. Yeah, that's a big step because a lot of people, when you're an artist in the public eye, you start to kind of like get scared of, of losing fans. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's like a scary jump to go like, oh, fuck, man. I, like yeah, everybody I mean, that likes me is going to hate this. But you have <laughs> to have like confidence that like I'm going to find a new group of fans. Yeah. That's a scary thought. I mean, I I questioned myself and I was a little bit hesitant. But thanks to like family and true friends, they were like, Doug. Why? Why not? Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's original. It's you. It's authentic. Yeah. It makes you feel good. So, Did you grow up singing? Um, No, I did not grow up singing. It was, I think it started in talent shows. Really? Like in grade school. What would you do in talent shows? Like Jackson 5. And I did like this cool, uh, this cool D rap, I think. But all through like talent shows, just being a kid and just, yeah, let's... Yeah, let's do it. To yeah. Dress up, we'll sing, whatever. Yeah, were you always kind of a ham as a kid? You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? The attention seeker? Nah. Nah, man. It was... I just do me, Doug. I don't even... Oldest sibling? I am the oldest sibling, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have... My sister's 20. Yeah. Brother's th- 12 and 13 and 18, so yeah. Yeah. But I've always been around, like, when I hung out outside of my house, it was always with older... Older cats. Yeah. Older cousins and uncles and Older stuff like that? Older cousins and just homies around the block. Yeah. And I was the young buck. Right. You know? So even though you're the eldest sibling, you get still get to feel like a little brother. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Did you take any, like, singing lessons when you started doing <laughs> nah, this? never. Just self-taught? It's just self-taught, man. Yeah, yeah. Do you play instruments? I'm learning the guitar right now. Yeah, how's that going? It's fun. Your fingers are all calloused up? Yeah, I gave them a little rest because... That was painful. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of stuff are you trying to learn? What do you want to play? I just want to learn the basics. Chords of, and stuff? Of the chords and just the basics of a guitar and mm-hmm. master the basics first and then get real funky. How far along are you mastering the basics? Um, I've only been a month in. 
Oh yeah, I'm just learning different chords. Oh, it becomes an, it becomes an obsession. You play? No, but in high school, I got very obsessed with it, like trying to teach myself. And I and I think pretty much my junior and senior year, I would like skip doing a lot of homework to try and pluck things out on a guitar. Yeah. And I just remember my fingers getting so fucked up. And then um, my friend that let me borrow his guitar wanted it back, and so I've, I've never really picked <laughs> it up again. But uh, it's one of those things. I'm not musical where like I play anything, but I can like pick stuff up and and figure out how to plunk out Mary had a little lamb in a little bit, you know. <laughs> I mean, whatever it might be. So, right. yeah. <laughs> but I was just curious because, I mean, like the new music, like I said, it's such a um, it's such a right turn into like pop music and like funk music mm. that and it's very musical. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That sounds stupid to call music musical, but no, no, in, no, in a no. sense where like oftentimes rap music can just be some dudes talking over some beats, whereas this is like you're really working with the music yeah. on this. So it made me think like, oh, he, you know, I wonder if he has a band background or anything like that. It's funny in this Black Swan Theory like uh, mixing sessions, we'll like take a break mm-hmm. and we'll go like into the live room and just pick up an instrument and record it. Mm. It'd just be like a jam session of like seven minutes, maybe ten minutes long, mm-hmm. of one guy on the drums, another on the piano, and we'll just rotate a guitar. So the music, I just love music, dog. Mm-hmm. I can't just stick to one thing. I gotta know everything and just want to master and be the best at it. Yeah. That's that competitive That's just, spirit coming out again, in though. in me. I just want to be the best. Why? Where does that come from? I don't know, man. Yeah. For sure, my mother is very competitive, like ran track. Oh, okay. You know, and my father, soccer, of course. Yeah. It's a cliche thing, but... <laughs> yeah. Africans can play their ass off in soccer. Right, right. And it's just in my blood, dog. It's just in the blood. Yeah. You said you went out to Africa. Yeah. Recently or what? This was uh, about a year ago in May. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, very, very cool. And just, it felt great the moment I got off the plane. Where'd you go? I went to uh, Johannesburg. South Africa. South Africa. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, roll around with J. Cole and watch him uh, just be J. Cole. Wow. How did that happen? Um, my uh, my girlfriend booked him mm-hmm. for a show out there. Mm-hmm. And we just, you know, we went mm-hmm. and just was a part of the whole experience. What was Johannesburg like nowadays? That, that's a place with a rough history. Yeah, I mean, we were, we had a bodyguard mobbing with us the whole time. Really? Yeah, well, because J. Cole's a fucking... And not only that, it's just very dangerous. Really? You know, they were saying, like, people would get robbed at lights. No shit. People drive with their purses in their laps, I think. Really? Like, cause you could be at a light, you look left, somebody coming to your window on the right, snatching the window. Yeah. yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, what's the J Cole show like in South Africa? How oh, many people? Man, they were going crazy. I could look at his face; he was just like in heaven, man. Nice. You know, in the back, like, damn, this is cool. Like, out of the states. Yeah. In Africa. <laughs> but I'll bet you that competitive side of you is on the corner of the stage, going, "God damn it, I wish that I, I want to be in front of that fucking crowd." <laughs> No, a little not bit, really. a little not bit, at all, man. No. It was just like, this is this is cool. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, because we've we've met numerous times. We he opened up for us at LMU, man. Before this whole lights please was around, yeah, came out. And no shit, cool dude, man. He's just a real chill dude. He, he was a ball player too. Yeah, yeah. You guys ever uh, go head to head or what? Nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> Uh, you still got you still got family in Africa, dad's side. Um, yeah, I do in uh, Ethiopia. My grandmother and couple cousins. You ever been out? You never been out there to see them, right? No, it's crazy. The time I was gonna go as a kid, my grandmother said don't because it's extremely dangerous. So, Has she come out here? 
Yeah, she she travels all around the whole world to see all of her kids. Oh, that's tight. Yeah, that's really dope. Yeah, it's cool. Like She's what's like 90s, 90. What's her lifestyle like in Ethiopia? Um, I really don't know, man. I know I get that real cool, just chill vibe from her, man. She's just she'll walk in a room, just sit down, pick a corner. Yeah. <laughs> if you have whiskey, she'll drink it. Nice. And just laugh, dance, and do whatever. Yeah. She's extremely just chill and positive. Yeah. What uh? What part of town are you staying in now in L.A.? Uh, Santa Barbara. Oh, you stay in Santa Barbara? That's no me. shit. Yeah. I lived in Santa Barbara for six years. Really? Yeah, I went to school there at Brooks Institute of Photography. Nice. Yeah, man. What took you up to Santa Barbara? Um, Having a daughter, man. Oh, you had a daughter? Having a daughter. Congrats. Girl and I, thank you. Well, how old is she? She's one. Oh, man. She just turned one on the 26th. Of December? December, yeah. Oh, so you had her the day after Christmas. Uh-huh. That was a beautiful <laughs> Christmas present, man. Yeah. That's yeah. dope. How long you been with your girl? Uh, For about three, four years. Four years. Nice. You live downtown? It's about, um, where am I? I'm like near East Beach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You ever fuck Not with, far from downtown. You ever fuck with East Beach Cafe? Never. All right. Here's what I'm going to tell you. And all of you guys listening, too, if you're ever in Santa Barbara, one of the best breakfasts, right, in, in Santa Barbara. I don't vouch for their whole menu, but East Beach Cafe has probably one of my favorite omelets ever. It's just called the Santa Barbara Omelet. And all it is is very simple. It's just fucking okay. <laughs> egg, cheese, and then they cook it with their homemade salsa in it. There's no crazy magical ingredients or anything, but for some reason, the way that those guys make that fucking omelet, it is delicious. So I'll tell you. We'll you check it out. Yeah, yeah. If, you listen, if you live by East Beach, walk down there one day. It's right next to the volleyball courts out there. Get a coffee and a, and a Santa Barbara omelet, and uh, and then hit me, text me, and let me know how fucking delicious it was. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I love Santa Will Barbara. Do. It's a nice place. Oh, it's beautiful, man. Yeah, I used to live up on um, Alameda Padrasera. You know that like I big have, windy road up in the hills. I have no clue where that is. Yeah, I still go up there a lot. That's where my producer lives. So yeah, well, I'll have to have you come sing on a hook now Let's since you it. live right down the street from there. <laughs> Shit, we'll do. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. What's life been like up there? Slower. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Santa Barbara is very just slow compared to L.A. Yeah, for you sure. Know? I mean, I try to go to the beach every morning and just get the best out of the city. Yeah. What beach do you go to? I hit up East Beach every morning, either by myself or just with my daughter, just yeah, walking along the beach, just reflecting on what to do next and what I already did and, you know, yeah. just plotting away. little sense of meditation. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's dope. What's the daily routine like after after you do the walk on the beach? Um, so I'm running this store called Accomplice. Mm-hmm. It's a streetwear boutique on State Street. I know exactly where that's at. Yeah. yeah so, and downstairs is uh, this dope glass shop called Fusion. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, man, I'm juggling a lot of hats right now. Yeah. Who watches the girls or the the daughter while you guys are at work? Like, what do you guys do? Daycare? Thanks, thanks to grandma. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, your lady's mom, mother. Yeah, that's dope, man. That's good to that's have family cool. around. Always. Yeah, for sure. How'd you guys meet? We uh, Mick Boogie introduced us. Nice. <laughs> yeah, on our um, release party for our mixtape we had with Mick Boogie at the time, he uh, introduced my girl and I. That was what two thousand and. Uh, 10 somewhere around there yeah just stars in the eyes or what <laughs> you know i mean call it what you want yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um what's it what's it like finding out that you're about to have a daughter come into the world oh that was a shock we found out in africa man oh really yeah we're in johannesburg and you know she did the test she comes out crying i'm like oh man yeah, I don't know what that means? Yeah, and whether happy tears or sad that tears that was a blessing man yeah. i mean at first it was you know 
as any man should be, that you find out you're about to have a daughter or a kid or whatever, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's time to really <laughs> go in step, and... Step up. Yeah, so, I mean, it was... Thanks to that, that's probably why I'm right here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's given me a lot of focus and just X out the bullshit, man. Did you feel like, oh, fuck, man, I got to grow up? Not like grow up. It was just more of I got to get my shit together. Yeah. You put so much time in making music. You perfected that part, but it's like, what do you... This is what I'm, you know, having a moment to myself. I ask myself, what is missing? It's like, you need a team. You need to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, you can't just do one thing anymore and expect somebody to just pick you up, so... It gave me a lot of time to just sit down and really reflect and take it, take it to another level. When you guys decided to go your d- different ways, like the the whole team was just gone and you're by yourself. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. I was just, yeah, it was all by myself. Mm-hmm. As far as just making music yeah. and putting out videos, mm-hmm. it was just all me, just from a click of a button mm-hmm. and a mass email. So now you got a new team around you. Give him some shout outs. Who's who's helping now with the <laughs> with the, with Jonas Michael? Bobby Sears, man. He's I mean he's been down with Rapture Camp, just always giving pointers to everybody, not yeah. just to myself. It was he was always like the coach in the background. Yeah, hey, I, I'm down with Bobby. He's very personable via email, and he comes into the studio looking like a very sharp dressed man. So <laughs> shout out to it's Bobby. A cool cat. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First guy to ever walk into the Cosmic Zoo in a full suit, I oh, think. Oh, shit, maybe. for real? Maybe. That's the first one I've seen. So, yeah. Yeah, man, we just... We, with that in your corner, you can't go wrong. Can't, man. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby says, man, that's the... He laughs every time I say it, but he's like Morpheus, man. He oh, yeah? He sees a lot of shit that I do not see. He understands the Matrix. <laughs> he does. Yeah. He'll call it out, like, in a month in advance and something will actually happen. Like, that's dumb. That's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. Who else is behind the, the scenes working? Um, it's funny, man. This dude, we just became kind of cool. Um, just over the months, he came into the shop, Accomplice. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's Henry. Mm-hmm. And he handed me his card, and he was like, yeah, I, I engineer and I make beats. And also, I met, uh, I know Glenn. Glenn the Engineers, who I kind of like came up with when he was mixing the whole uh, you and I stuff. Mm-hmm. So a couple weeks went by, and you know, I'm like perfecting the Black Swan Theory, and I'm just like, damn. And I came across his card, just going through stuff, and I just gave him a call. And dude was just, he was just so excited mm-hmm. to be a, a part of it. And it kind of like woke me up a little bit and got me a little bit more excited, like, damn. You're right. This is exciting because you right. know when you're into something so much every day, you kind of like get sucked in, and you're not on the outside looking in. Yeah, particularly when you're trying to juggle so many things by yourself, yeah, so, you can get lost in it. Yeah, man. Yeah. And he kind of like gave some perspective. Very much. And yeah, man. He's killing his Black Swan Theory shit right That's now. That's dope. Are you just recording in the house alone? Like you got a soundproof closet or something? Nah. Well, some of the records I I recorded. Um, at home, mm-hmm. just like on a little USB mic. Absolutely. And then take it to the studio and just give it that professional sound. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I re-record it, but I like the feel of it just being recorded on a 
the shitty USB mic. Dude, there's, so, there's really something great about recording at home, kind of by yourself. It's this meditative thing. You can, yeah. man, I recorded my whole last record just in my underwear in a closet. You feel me? Like, <laughs> as weird as that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, there's something to be said to, like, yeah, you to get just kind of attached to it. Yeah, you do get attached to it, but also there's a lot less pressure when there's no one else in the room and you can, can kind of play more. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even I'm not trying to make you guys think that I'm out here playing in my underwear. That's, <laughs> no. that's strange. No. But um yeah, what are your plans with um Black Swan Theory? Where's the title come from? Um Yeah, it's a business term that uh creates a boom mm-hmm. and whatever whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And and I just felt like my the music, this music now is it will create this boom and just give everybody this this shock mm-hmm. of unexpected feeling from just the music. Mm-hmm. You know, and throughout the album, I, I have, like, little skits of Obama. That's a parody skit, but, you know, to me, Obama is a black swan. Mm-hmm. You know, the first black president, that mm-hmm. was a very, that was a boom. So, you know, just taking that reference and metaphor and tying it into the music, that's, that's to me, what is a black swan theory. Dope. When are you thinking about putting it out? Um, well, I'm about to release a, a record, my next record after Volvo to follow up with. It's called uh, Louis Fendi, mm-hmm. which features A Dot. Okay. Um, who started the whole Rapture Camp with bringing it that back? Be, 360. Yeah. Yeah. On um, the 14th. On the 14th. So you guys have a video ready for it and everything? Um. Yeah. Dope. Before we get out of here, thank you for coming in. By the yeah, way, man. I appreciate this it. I didn't realize fun. I didn't realize you're all the way up in Santa Barbara. Like shit, I would have picked you up at the train station nah, or something. Gee, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, tell the people where they can find you online. Yonasmichael.com. You can get everything, all the music for free. Volvo, of course, you can't buy that shit on iTunes. Support. Yeah, support, please support, support your support your artists. Yonasmichael.com, Y-O-N-A-S-M-I-C-H-A-E-L yep. dot com. I was a third grade spelling champion. <laughs> yeah. Are you on Twitter? I am, yeah. I am Jonas Michael. All right. Uh, Instagram is Jonas Michael. Jonas Michael. Hit this man up. Uh, he's been doing it a long time. Made some great records over the years, and I look forward to hearing more of them. Thank you so much for coming Thank in. Thank you, man. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, my name is Lee. You guys might know me as Intuition. You can find me online at It's Intuition. Find my man Ben Shim on the boards making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database. You can follow us as a unit at That's Kind of Neat. Facebook.com slash Kind of Neat. YouTube.com slash that's kind of neat where we just broke 7,000 subscribers and we're going to have Jonas Michael on there. Thank you so much for the applause. Oh, the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> but we're going to have Jonas yeah. on here figuring out what to perform after we vibe for a little bit. And um, make sure you guys are subscribing on iTunes. Uh, that's a big help and it'll make your life easier when you just plug your phone into your car and listen to it on the, iP- on the uh, podcast app. And beyond that, this was... Uh, this is Intuition signing off with my man Jonas Michael. That was kind of neat. Peace and love. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah.